1: Hello, it's Steve Bloomers washing the Independent Derby County Podcast. Thank you, as ever, for tuning in. The season is in full swing, of course, and while our increasingly tedious off-field legal wranglings show no sign of ever ending, the Rams are at least trying to take care of business on the pitch, chalking up our first win of the season since we last spoke, but it's now nearly four years since a win over Nottingham Forest. Uh, I'm Chris Parsons. And joining me in my chaotic front room, uh, we're podding in person the way it should be, are full time cricket fanatics and occasional football fans, Tom (laughs) Martin and Richard Kutcher. How's it going, chaps? I gather you had a uh, a little trip up north recently and even got a round in with one of our fantastic loyal listeners
2: we did yeah we went We went to Headingley uh, for day one of the test match one of the best days of, of bowling and, and batting from England for many many years probably the best day of cricket I've seen from England uh, in England and uh, we met one of our uh, patrons Dan I had a couple of pints with him and uh, yeah it's really really good to meet one of our listeners uh, in person and uh, a very long but enjoyable day at
0: cricket
1: speaking of getting around in the next time you are looking to, uh, to have a cheeky beer see what I did there why not do it with Derby Brewing Company Derby's original craft brewer and our podcast partners again for the season but whisper it quietly Tom that there are reasons to be cheerful right now I'd say as a Derby County fan we're off the mark for the season we're playing with purpose and a plan even if that plan doesn't always work Um don't have to worry about League Cup anymore. <laughs> That's a one d- less distraction <laughs> out in the way. And even though we've dropped points again, I'm still feeling a bit more upbeat and a bit more glass half full after the last three recent results.
0: Yeah, the results and the performances have been much better. It was so much more enjoyable watching that game yesterday against Forest than it was watching any of the games we watched last season. Derby were on the front foot. They really attacked Forest and took the game to them. Uh, were 1-0 up. Probably should have been 2-0 up before... Uh, half time, we uh, were maybe unlucky with a couple of penalty shouts. Um, missed a great chance through Stretton. Uh, brilliant block from McKenna, uh, and then we're unfortunate with a, a few defensive errors that led to the equaliser. And I think, if you really look back at it, I think a draw probably was just about fair. But it certainly should have been. If anyone's going to win that game, it would have been Derby. So really positive performance from the from the lads.
1: Kurtz, do you enjoy Derby Forest games? I, I'm not sure I do really. I mean, I don't really enjoy Derby games at the best of times, but mm-hmm. for, for, for nerves, but. Actually, every time they have the ball, I'm always just imagining the worst case scenario. And talk talk us through your mentality during on Derby Day.
2: Yeah, I think it is. It's kind of like watching through your fingers, even if we're playing well, isn't it? Because as you say, you always you're convinced that when they break on you or the ball's bouncing around the box, it's going to find the way into into our goal. And that has tended to be the way of these matches the last few years. Obviously, they haven't been good matches to watch, generally. The last few years, but I thought yesterday was a really entertaining game of football. I thought, mm. as Tom said, Derby played some some fantastic stuff. Very unlucky not to to put the game to bed really in, in that in that first half. And no, going back to kind of the last three results and for the whole of the season, no one could complain or be surprised if Derby found themselves with four or five more points than than they have. You can't really fault what the players and, and management are trying to do. The effort is there. You know they have a side of play. It's just the finishing in that last twenty to thirty minutes which are clean us at the moment. And and to be honest, that's not, I don't put any of that on the players or the management. That is the fault of the way the club has been run at the moment, the problems we have off the pitch, because it it's simply, for me, a depth and finishing issue, which is why we're struggling to see these games out.
1: Yeah, so it did finish Derby County 1, Nottingham Forest 1, of course, um, at the weekend. it's a. I felt, personally, it was a really emotional, satisfying moment when, uh, when Tom Lawrence... Smash us in front in the first ten minutes from that incredible Fozzy throw through ball, but then throw in some uh, some dodgy decisions from the ref. A second half of Forest pressure and our old friend defending crosses, and uh, we had to settle for a fourth consecutive one all draw against them. A lot from down the A52. Um, as I said, Tom, it's. I think I saw a Twitter account called something like Did Derby Beat Forest and the answer is after 1,412 days it's still no so it is four years since a win over them lot now did we blow our best chance of beating them at the weekend?
0: um I don't know whether it was necessarily our best chance. I actually thought when we played Forest away from home last year, uh, I thought we were really positive. Uh I think it was one of Koku's last games and we had that goal disallowed from um Jodhviak when Wacorn was flagged offside. I thought that was unlucky. Um it definitely we 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 are so close. We just need to get this sort of monkey off our back, so to speak, and and just beat them. And it doesn't matter how we beat them because it's now becoming that thing of, Oh, we haven't beaten Forest for four years and I think Derby went through this with Leeds and we beat Leeds all the time and Leeds just needed to beat us. And it just seemed every time we play Leeds we'd we'd beat them. And I think we're just on the flip of that at the moment. Um so yes, it was unfortunate. I think we, we probably edged the game. Um Forrest didn't have loads of clear cut chances. Roos made a good save from Graben uh late on. But um but yeah, I think it's it's just gotta it's gotta happen at some point. We need the rubber the green or a refereeing decision to go our way. So it's not like a debate or anything like that. We, we've had quite a few half-and-half half or 50-50 uh, calls that haven't gone our way. So we just need to rub with the green next time.
1: Yeah, so we did put this one out to uh, to you guys for your five-word reviews for your shout. Here comes a jingle. Your shout!
0: <laughs> uh,
1: some, uh, some great responses from our uh, patrons over on our Patreon sites patreon.com slash stevebloomerswashing Wayne get loads of extra content and podcasts Uh, Pete Lee he said lack of squad depth costly Uh, Chris Getty he said shortage of goals still problematic Uh, Andy Northedge he said silly mistakes cost us again Tom Oliver Tom Oliver came in with look lively but lack depth and uh, Kurt Lewin said what to do with Ruse what indeed and then uh, a, few, a few in on our Twitter as well at Steve Bloomer Pod uh, Rich Dawson Derby won this latest battle then he made the point that um you know Derby got the draw but Forrester are a team who you would say have a lot more expected of them at the moment with mm-hmm. their squad and their history and their manager uh, so in a way Derby have claimed a sort of moral victory in that sense I can see where he's coming from uh, Rob Wilcoxon he said classic game of two halves uh, Chris Richards said we all saw that coming Keith Mansfield tweeted us he said blind ref imposes points deduction <laughs> I like that one see what he's done there um Laced and Loyal came in with one that wasn't five words but I'm putting it in anyway he said two ball blokes fighting over a comb <laughs> <laughs> I didn't deliberately look at you when I said okay. that <laughs> um Ian Willans, he said, dropping points when we shouldn't. Uh, Amanda Nadin said, "Why am I not surprised?" Daniel Warwick came in with, "Remain unconvinced by the manager." And uh, just lastly, is a good one from Twitter. Simon Penny, he said, "It's only Forest, not Barcelona." <laughs> uh, so yes, yeah, some uh, some some good ones there. How much do you think the ref did cost us against Forest? How many penalties could we or should we have had?
2: I think I think the one the, the handball is just you you can't get a clearer penalty than that. I, I'm not sure exactly where the ref was in that position and what he could see and what he couldn't see, but surely if he was looking straight at the player there and the ball, he would see it as a clear. He, he actually moved his arm towards the ball as well. So for me, that's that's a dead set. That's a 100% dead set penalty. You don't get a clearer penalty than that, really. The second one, uh, the, the kind of the wrestling of Curtis Davis. Obviously, um, the defender was manhandling Curtis Davis and brought him down. I think Ray Rooney himself said after the game that the, the ref said the ball wasn't in play yet, so he wouldn't have, he couldn't have given it. But then I think he let the corner play on, and mm, so that seemed yeah. a bit odd. Like you've got to give a warning there at least, or cut that out in the first half because it was going on all game like it normally does. So I think the, the Curtis Davis one probably wasn't a penalty, but the referee should have intervened in some way or made the corner be taken again. The first one is. I can't explain just how much penalty that is.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you if you've watched the Liverpool-Chelsea game, you'll have seen Reese james being sent off yesterday for what, for me, was a definite uh, handball, and then also a red card for denying an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. Well, not on the line, but he does the same thing. He dives towards the ball, and it hits his hand, and it, well, it hits his arm, and it denies an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. So, for me, I think a penalty, and you could even have sent Worrell off, there's definitely a case for that. Not as clear-cut as the uh, Reese james one, if you've seen it. Um, there was also a tackle on Sibley in the first half, which which I then didn't ever see a replay of uh, at some point. But that looked, in real time, it looked like a penalty. But I
1: don't know whether either of you saw a replay and have any thoughts on that one. Definitely a fair case for at least one and a half penalties, I I would say, but... Uh, you know it wasn't and that all- kills the
2: game that kills the game doesn't it if Forrest yeah. go two or down in the first half yeah. with what's happened with Forrest this season they're not coming back from that there,
0: yeah. there were debatable decisions all over the pitch like on I mean the, the big ones went against Derby I, re- I really do think in the penalty areas and the Davis one you mentioned the ball wasn't in play and I think it was probably out the area but you just need to take some control of the game as the referee and stop it have a word with Worrell because it was happening time and time again the two previous penalties there was players up, over in the box and stuff like that and it was it was just needed that to be stopped and stamped out if you do anything I'm going to give a penalty and it wouldn't have happened and it would have allowed Derby to actually have some some sort of bright spark and
1: an attack up from the set piece but it didn't happen and it was poor officiating I'll come back to our goal in a minute but while we're on the subject of the referee and decisions against either team Derby didn't have it all their own way there was one big decision that Forrest feel they didn't get in the first half when uh Fozzie, who then later went on to, to assist the goal, of course, many claiming he shouldn't have even been on the pitch to do that, having uh, got caught in a bit of a tangle with Forrest number 11. And then, well, he caught him right in the uh, zinker naggles, didn't he? Do these. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think I think you'd be very unlucky for the ref to see that and interpret it as definitely deliberate. I think we had the benefit of replays and several angles, and I'm, I, I wasn't convinced myself that if it was deliberate... I say fair play to Fozzie, he calculated it well, he knew the referee probably wasn't gonna see it or interpret it that way. And he, and he took a pop in, in a way which is niggly but not particularly dangerous, apart from maybe giving <laughs> giving number eleven no chance of having children in the future. So I, I, I thought I thought good from Fozzie, liked it, and I would be I would be very surprised if that was against Derby, I would not be expecting the referee to see that as
0: deliberate and send That's- them off. I don't think he's thought about it because it too, happens too quickly he's coming yeah. down and the commentator was saying he had a look. I don't necessarily think he did but at the end of the day you've got a responsibility to land yourself safely and he didn't. He against stamped Forest,
2: it. do you have a responsibility to land yourself safely against you Forrest? Got,
0: you've got to take the emotion out of this there Kutch and I think if if that's against Derby you're screaming for a red card and I think he's fortunate the referee hasn't seen it because there actually probably is two stamps one is one is from the right foot I think it hits him to the sort of thigh somewhere and then the other one is in the ghoulies go- uh, as you say. Um I think he's. I think he's fortunate to stay on the pitch, but he. The referee didn't see it, and obviously didn't give the sending off. And there was actually a tackle by. I thought it was a foul on Yosviak by Garner, but then Yosviak. You should see the 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 uh, injury on Wall. It's up by his thigh. Like he's then actually probably quite lucky to stay on the pitch himself, cause if, if he's conceded a free kick and has been booked for that. And I think it was pretty harsh because it seemed they're both going in together, but clearly Yosviak has studded him in the in the thigh, and that's that's dangerous foul play. So there were some weird decisions going on all the way through the game, and I think. Forrest had the better of those decisions but maybe Forsyth was lucky to be on the pitch
1: yeah well it's not like referees have a history of uh, famously bottling it in the, in this fixture at Pride Park but that's mm. uh, another conversation I guess but as we said yeah Fossey did go on to assist the goal oh what a great goal it was fantastic strike um, the thing I wanted to ask you both about it you watch that goal Forrest are dispossessed on the edge of our area then it's Burn who pings it out to to Sibley, I think, or usually act first, then Sibley, yeah. then it's out to Forsyth. And we were saying, Kutch, before that the assists you normally associate with Craig Forsyth are those like low whipped crosses around the back. But he gets his head up and properly curls it in the air, loops it past at least a couple of Forest defenders right into Lawrence's path. Yeah. I mean, it's a different conversation. I'm not sure what Forest Line is doing being that high and out of position in the first place. But a brilliant ball. Lawrence takes it on his chest, gets it out of his feet, and then he's got a lot to do and not much to aim at. I think the commentator said that Samba was maybe expecting Lawrence to smash it across the keeper into mm. the far corner, but he's got a tiny space. And the way he picked it out, and yeah, the way the South Stand erupted, just a, a fantastic goal back to front. And from the moment Forrest lose the ball, the ball's in the Forrest net 10 seconds later because I counted. <laughs> Is it? Is that the sort of goal that Rooney is trying to get us to score, like that lightning quick counter? Is he trying to make us a counter-attacking side?
2: I don't think it's meant to be kind of plan A, but I think he, he obviously he obviously is training it into them. He, he, he wants to make that a weapon and it absolutely should be a weapon for any championship team. If you've got players who are quick and technically gifted going forward, you should be looking to have patterns of play for the counter-attack. And We saw it a few times in the Sheffield United game as well. I think I think Louis Sibbe had a really great chance early on in that game on the counter-attack, which was a really quick counter. So obviously they work on it. It was something that uh, Steve McLaren's Derby was, was really good at as well. Um, as I said, they've got technical players. We haven't got lightning quick players in the final third, but players like Juvek, Lawrence, Sibley, they are they are they are fast enough over kind of five ten yards, to, and they are technically gifted enough to, to pick the right passes and and convert. So I think it's a weapon that they've obviously been developing. I don't think we're trying to play as a counterattacking team at all, but you, you've got to have that in your armory because you know attacks break down all the time from the opposition because it's the championship it's not a high quality league
0: I think also Derby are playing to the players that they've got we haven't got a striker Kazza Richards is the big target man who if he was playing on, on Saturday um, the ball would have gone long to him and he'd have held it up to wait to flick it around to someone but actually we've got four players in behind and um, there, in Sibley, Josfiak, Lawrence, and Morrison, who can all interchange their positions, and and are very difficult to pick up, and I think we saw that in the first half. And so, they're also players that are happy to get box to box, or at least two or three of them are to attack while one of them sits in, and that's what we saw. I thought, um, I thought the movement of the players and the players that we've actually got available to us needs must that we must hit teams from the counter attack because we haven't got a focal point like a Kazan Richards or like a Martin that like we did in that McLaren team
1: yeah it's, it, it is really positive and uh, yeah just great to see a score a goal like that really maybe I don't know maybe Rooney's trying to be a, a pound shot Gary Rowett but you know <laughs> who knows but well, as long as that doesn't end with like 24% possession and you know one or draws away at Brentford but I
2: guess just quickly building on that further like you know Tom Lawrence obviously is playing, playing as a false nine I thought it did a good job because often a false nine won't make that run because mm. they be, will almost be playing a bit like a 10 as well so it's really good that Lawrence was making that run in behind because you're gonna ha- if you're gonna play four forwards who are all they're a little, they're all bit different players but they're all similar in the way that they all want to kind of play that number mm. ten role. It's so important that one of them at least in this case Lawrence is really pushing in and stretching yeah. the team because otherwise you're just never gonna get out.
0: And I thought Yuzviak did that really well on a couple of occasions, and he should have been slipped in by by both Lawrence and Morrison at, at times in the first half and second half. And I think we we gave Uzviak some criticism, and I think he's really stepped up in the last three or four games. And it's just it's time uh, that he he's now adds to a to that with a goal or an assist.
1: Yeah, well, he was one of the players who who let us down so badly against Peterborough, wasn't he? With his individual mistakes, and Byrne was the other. And I thought Byrne was probably mm. probably man of the match against Forrest. But yeah, just going going back to to that game and and performances overall this season so played five and got six points from 15 yes it's not bad it's it's sort of lower you know top of mid table but we've already dropped seven points from winning positions this season two against Huddersfield three against Peterborough two against Forest again do you think is that partly because we just can't kill games off with that killer ball like you alluded to there Tom that there were a couple of instances Um, on the break yesterday where I think Morrison had one where he chose the wrong pass could have played someone in Lawrence had another one where he could have played I want to say Sibley or Uzviak in at one point in the Mm. first half happened against Hull as well where Morrison had a great chance on the break we had a three on two in the first half before we scored where Morrison had he had two players screaming for it in acres and didn't he took it inside had a weak shot move broke down Mm. is is, is that is, is the fact that we don't make those right decisions and make those killer balls is that why we're not killing games off
0: yeah it is I mean it's decision making isn't it Lawrence need to get his head up to play and I think it was Jujwiak in the first half and Morrison seemed to be wanting to go a bit for glory he did get his head up but he didn't think the options were were there and they definitely were uh, and that's been, been repeated a few times and simply that is the the key thing is the decision making but the second thing is we haven't got anyone to bring off the bench who is capable of of changing a game or 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 holding the game up like stretton has come on and he does a great job like running running the channels and getting yeah. into the right places scored a brilliant goal against peterborough almost so unlucky to not score a goal yesterday against forest and make himself a real a real Derby hero already um, but we haven't got anyone to bring off the bench and that means that we fade in those games and if we don't kill a team off we, we then struggle later on and it'd be quite interesting to see the times that we conceded those goals because I think we conceded four league goals in this uh, this season and three of those have been in the last 15 minutes and they are similar mistakes to what were happening last year and I think if we don't cut out those mistakes and we don't start holding on to games when we're we're leading uh, we're going to see ourselves in in the longer term we're going to see ourselves in a bit of trouble this season
2: I think, I think going back to what we were saying about having kind of four similar type number 10 kind of players uh, playing in the front four without a striker, and the fact we've not got a striker is not, not anyone's fault from the management or from the squad, that's, as we've said before, a, a top of the club problem because we've not been able to invest, is I feel like none of that front four, kind of Lawrence, Morrison, Juve, and Sibley, really trust you have one to finish a move off? So, because none of them are strikers, none of them are natural finishers. Like, if you put a, a Bulldog in there or a CKR in there, or even a Stratton in there a bit more, and they'll occupy kind of the six-yard box a bit more. None of those four, including Lawrence, really want to stand in the six-yard box for that for that kind of fox-in-the-box box tapping. And I just feel like and it's not really any of their fault. I think it's just maybe just a bit more confidence in each other to finish a move off or make, make a better run. Like, as you say, I thought Morrison was most guilty of it yesterday. Particularly second half, there was there's a couple of opportunities where he really needed just to release it to someone but maybe we just don't have enough confidence in each other to finish a move because that's none of their game like Sibley should be a, a 10 to 15 goal a season player Lawrence should be that as well obviously Jules that hasn't showed that but he could he needs to be shipping at least five goals this season I think we're missing Jack Stretton was so unlucky because it was going in it was great block yeah. from McKenna wasn't it and uh, I'm not saying this, the solution is to start Stretton straight away because I don't think he's quite ready but he He does battle well. He does hold it up a lot better than you'd expect from a small player. I think Sam Baldock, if he's back fit after international break, will will make a bit of a difference to that team.
1: Yeah. You talked about the refereeing decisions. Tom uh, Rooney asked about it, and he said, um, the officials don't like to award us penalties. I don't want to tell my players to dive, but at the moment, I'm being left with no option. Um, I'm just pleased that Rooney's finally buying into the clubs like anti-EFL propaganda. He said (laughs) something, said (laughs) something
2: even stranger and that he might even get sanctioned for which was like i'm not sure what's going on at, with the referees it basically suggesting that we're not getting them for political reasons as well no, it, 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 it was either his rams tv interview or his bbc radio derby interview it was one of those two where he said something which is borderline the kind of thing that you get punished for because it was it seemed to be questioning the integrity of the not the individual referee but like the institution of, of refereeing and the, and the efl
0: let's face it the standard of officiating in the championship as a whole is is generally appalling at the moment and it's it's
2: incompetence rather than corruption
0: yeah I think it is totally incompetence and the fact that it, it just seems like you, you almost think you're watching a completely different game and, and it's it can be really frustrating and things seem like really obvious and there's too many high profile mistakes and there there needs to be uh, an improvement in the uh, training perhaps, there needs to be an improvement in the, the rigour of how, how people are assessed and if they're not good enough and they make a mistake they need to be dropped down because the referee yesterday made a, a series of mistakes where some of them might have been debatable like the Forsyth one, um, like the News React tackle and whether he was actually fouled beforehand, like maybe the penalty on, on uh, Sibley but some of them just, just obvious and it needs to needs to have some accountability and then you need to be dropped down a division or something like that there needs to be something that improves the standard of officiating in this country because it's poor
1: more in a second on Steve Bloomer's washing but don't forget give us a follow on social as I said we are at Steve Bloomer pod we're on Facebook and Instagram as well and as I said join us this season on Patreon we're uh, releasing an extra podcast every month uh, last month we had a great interview with Daniel Mann the Sky Sports commentator who commentated on the Forest game yesterday or At the weekend uh, you can get loads of extra benefits as well you will give you a free pint for signing up you can join our fantasy football league and win a Christmas dinner worth £100 and just join our Discord server for a bit of uh, a bit of banter and a bit of chat which is fun as well Hi,
0: I'm Paolo Wanchop and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Two-man
2: Forest wall, Gary Teal and Chris Commons standing over it. Surely, it will be the former Forest player Chris Commons to take. Commons looks up, takes a free kick, delivered it towards Hulse! Yes! Derby have scored! Derby have scored! Rob Hulse! Ten minutes to go with Pride Park, and in the A52 Derby, a header,
0: a bullet header for the Chris Commons free kick has put the Rams
1: in front. I guess we probably should talk about Nottingham Forest's goal then. Um, in the latest of our regular podcast segments, should Keller Roos have done better? Uh, <laughs> about, or in,
2: insert any Derby County goalkeeper. I'm going to make
1: my own <laughs> jingle for that at some point. Uh, but no, look, all jokes aside, I'm not going to chuck too many pelters at Roos. Uh, he'd probably have drop it anyway. Um <laughs> because you know no look, five minutes before that goal, he pulls off a great save. Really good and save. even in the whole game, he pulled off another no sorry, the borough game, he pulled off another great save, which got us a point. Kellarus right now is doing more right than 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 wrong, I think. Um what do you make of the goal with Dickens Seed?
2: I wouldn't crucify him for it. I think it was hit extremely hard, it bounced just in front of him. It hit extremely hard from about what, eight, ten yards out with no defender in the way and I think the criticism is if he's making himself big there can he go with his feet? Can he block? Can he say that with his feet rather than trying to drop onto it? I think trying to drop onto it he was asking for trouble I don't know what you thought Tom I, I thought maybe it was a save he needed to stay big and
0: make it with his feet But I agree with Kutch actually there was a lot of criticism on on uh, well, from the commentators about it and I actually don't think it's his fault the the ball comes into the box it's missed uh, it bounces it bounces over Buchanan's head who's gone inside to to take the dangerous man which is exactly what he should have done but they left the man over and Brennan Johnson's there eight, nine yards out absolutely hammers it on the half volley and yes okay it is straight at him but it's eight or nine yards out and if he gets a gets a leg onto it 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 deflects out it could deflect in the top corner you have no idea so expecting him to save that and I've definitely been a critic of Roos in the past and I don't think that's that's his fault we need to look at why the cross came in why the header was missed and who was marking in uh, in the box before we start looking at Roos.
2: It's particularly frustrating because what Buchanan was brought on just what a few minutes before to kind of shore up that left-hand side as an additional defender Mm. and it was he wasn't exclusively to blame but there should have been. We should have had enough bodies in the box to get closer to that and and
0: to make the save. So yeah. uh, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even blame Buchanan because the, the header should have been been won on the first. The first as the football first came into the box because it then goes over the top of someone. And I'm not sure who who was responsible for that, but there's someone in the middle there who misses it. It bounces and bounces over Buchanan. So there's a catalogue of errors as ever. Our well, old friends crosses.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. The, the the point a couple of listeners made to us on our Twitter as well. Uh, Nick said. I'm not really a Ruse fan, but being smacked behind that in the south stand, as, as I was, I thought the goal was more of a defensive issue than Ruse. We didn't clear the ball, and as soon as it left Johnson's foot, you knew it was going in. And um, Louis Wormsley made a good point about Ruse. He said, his kicking at the start of the second half didn't help our cause. Mm. He said, out of play, straight to their players, it only encouraged Forrest and their fans even more. will never be good enough, I'm afraid. Um what do you make of that?
2: I think it's interesting with the kicking. There's quite a few goalkeepers like Ruse has got it in him to be have very, very good distribution. It does seem I'd say so much of his game has improved this season. I think his kicking's almost gone has been quite hit and miss. No no pun intended. And I yeah, I, I can see what you're saying about the kicking. Look, the other options aren't great. You know, David Marshall had had his poor moments last season. He's obviously out of favour. Allsop looks like not a championship goalkeeper from the short bits we've seen from him in the Cup. Um, Calarouz is by far the best option we've currently got. That's not going to change, I think. Look, I know it's it's kind of cliche to say, but you just need to get behind him because he is our goalkeeper. And he has, it's probably been his best run of form in the Derby shirt, to be honest, and, until that moment. And even then, we're questioning whether he was really all that at fault
1: a few more five word reviews then from our, uh, from our Facebook this time uh, quite a few listeners chiming in there uh, Sean Ferns just said I'm glad we didn't lose amen to that uh, Matt Reed said they now have a point yes. <laughs> for his first point of the season of course Andy Elliott said stop sitting on slender leads um, James Martin said another one we threw away um, and this last one from Matthew Letchford death is preferable to defeat bit dramatic, bit, <laughs> bit, dramatic.
0: Bit, bit extreme there and also I don't think actually we sat on the lead yesterday I thought we held Forrest out I didn't feel like Derby were penned back at any point we always looked dangerous on the counter and I always thought we, we carried a threat Forest um, were the
1: better side in the second half they weren't they they
0: were but I don't think they, they didn't I mean Roos made that great save from grabber and they scored what else did they do yeah. and they they didn't have us penned back where it was like time and time again again i'll reference the liverpool chelsea game if you watch that second half of liverpool chelsea liverpool bossed that game in that second half but couldn't get through chelsea and chelsea had to defend brilliantly and um, derby didn't have to do that and we had chances and we had opportunities to, to to close the game out um derby had the better chances yesterday and i don't think we sat back like we've seen in previous previous seasons and like just were hoping and hanging on desperately we were unfortunate to concede there from a defensive error or a series of defensive errors but arguably I think we should have won that game and also death is not preferable to
1: defeat <laughs> <laughs> in terms of the midfield it's quite an interesting discussion to be had there because uh, I was saying this in, in, in a bubble in with some derby fans another player who's really impressing more this season is Max Bird brilliant really really come on he seems to have added a lot to his game over the summer like better decision making seems a bit stronger played a couple of really clever like reverse balls in, in recent games he's got that in his locker now so he's really improving clear man of the match against Hull I thought and that's the feedback we got as well so the way Derby play you got Baxford in there you got Ravel Morrison who who plays deep in front of the back four then you got Shinny whose job is, is, is unique in that team and he does it better than anyone else you could say yeah and then Belic to come in at some point. I know there's a lot of football to be played before Belic comes back. Any of those three players could drop dramatically out of form or get injured or whatever. But it's going to be three from four. So who do you think loses their spot in that in that part of the park?
2: Well, Ravel Morrison can obviously play in, in numerous positions further up the pitch. Um, I think, but I think you do play two from Belic, Burden, and, and Shinny, though. I, I imagine if Bielik's fit he, and that's a big if and it might take a little while for him to get up to speed then Bielik obviously starts um, but Max Bird has been fantastic I think you probably we discussed last season you could very easily play a midfield free of of Bird Shinny and, and Bielik probably Bird a bit more advanced and then you know, Morrison moves into one of the wider positions perhaps or into more of a kind of a free roll wide position to compete with Juzak and Lawrence Bielik obviously has to get in the team when, when, he's, when he's back fit but I wouldn't be in a rush to drop Shinny or, or Bird because I think as a two they've They've worked really well together, and, and as you say, Max Bird, he's just matured. and I think the, the, the kind of football that Rooney's trying to get us to play more front foot. I think Bird's really benefited from having Ravel Morrison around him. I think they've seemed to have built up a bit of a, a bit of chemistry. Trinity yeah. just gets on the dirty work and, and is better on the ball than I think many of us give him credit for. But Bird for me will need to stay in the team if, if he stays in that form. You can't drop Bird out.
1: But Tom, if you are going to play Max Bird a little bit further forward in a three he's got out a bit more to his game hasn't he like had a good chance to score against hull um had the ball dropped to him in promising positions a couple of times against forest uh he hasn't quite got that that killer instinct in front of goal yet has he but as much as he has improved that there is still a way to go with him
0: yeah he's a young he's a young player so i don't think we can expect wonders from him and i think we're also looking way too far ahead we don't know when Bielik is going to be back and what sort of player he's going to come back as uh, if he comes back as the the player that he was last season and obviously previously then clearly he's our our strongest sort of deep-lying central midfielder and then you play whoever is in best form out of and Bird and so far this season it's definitely been Bird reminded me very much of a classic Nicky Butt yesterday just winning tackles staying on his feet stopping like the uh, opposition attacks going forward and then distributing the ball sensibly and it was a really mature and sensible and quality performance from him it's the Best I've seen him play for for a long long time on top of the uh, the whole game Shinny we criticised a few weeks ago on our previous pod he's really stepped up as well some absolute crunching tackles which is exactly what you want to see Going forward, as you say, with with Bird playing further up, I, I don't know whether that best suits him. And if you're putting Morrison that wide, does he become isolated? Um, so it's, it's the decisions that we may have to make later on this season. But for now, uh, I'm happy with Bird and Shinny uh, in that deep line bit with Morrison linking up the play through the middle. And it, if Bielek comes back sooner rather than later, then that's all the better for Derby.
2: I mean, there's another player we haven't mentioned there, Jason Knight. Jason Knight should be back before Christian Bielek, as far as, far as I understand it. And he's another option, both in the midfield and out wide. And I think we all think he's best centrally. So it will just be so nice, just even when Jason Knight and Bielek have been eased back into fitness, to have them on the bench, just to start with. Because we have nothing on the bench, apart from other teenagers who do a decent job, but they're not the right players to come in and close a game out. Like, how good would it have been to have brought on a Jason Knight or a Christian Bielek um, yesterday to help close that game out and add a bit more strength? and, And to be honest even though they're both quite young players themselves particularly Jason Knight they're experienced now at championship level and we've got we have for me the reason we're, we're not winning these games is purely depth if we had a bit more on the bench to bring on I think we see out that game I think we see out uh, the Borough game I think you know we hold on to Leeds maybe see out the Peter, Peterborough game and the league table looks a lot lot better um, so for me just having those two back as options even if they're just from the bench to begin with will will really improve that team
1: yeah, well just think about what Jason Knight does best a number of times he'd get the ball and outside his own box run 40 yards when it's a cheap free kick and get us up the pitch and, and then wanna less... really puts him to... oh no <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe we should play a Christmas tree formation of 4-3-2-1 because all our players seem to be best in the central position yeah. you play your three in there and then the two in behind of Lawrence and Morrison and then one up front of Sibley they, those three up front rotate I mean, who knows that's what, fullbacks, yeah. that's what that's what my Saturday team has uh, started to do because we're now all ageing rather than having flamboyant wingers and wing backs we've now got the uh, central solidity and maybe Derby need to do the same midfield plodders <laughs> exactly
1: <laughs> um, yeah was, I mean the team is looking It's diff- different every week I know we haven't got many players to choose from but it has it's got a, a, a v- very much a new image to it than it had last season yeah. with the players that have come in uh, the most high profile of which and who've played the most games Sam Baldock Phil Jagielka Ravel Morrison uh, I mean from my point of view Baldock obviously got his goal I we weren't impressed by that signing we'd said so but proved us all wrong um, if he can carry on like that even if he gets 10 goals that'll be crucial so he's been he's showed some signs of of being a really useful signing Phil Jagielka he's been absolutely top draw I yeah. think he did have a bit of a wobble early on against Forrest a couple of misplaced passes but on the whole, he's been like just absolutely top class. Thirty nine, absolutely mad. He's been great. But Ravel Morrison as well. Again, another player who's who's proved us wrong. It's almost as if Rooney knows what he's doing. I and mean, and we have
2: absolutely zero idea what we're talking
1: and about. And we we haven't got a clue. But yeah, he's just at times he's he's a pleasure to watch. He's like such a technically great player, and like just he had one moment against Borough when we were breaking forward, and he just switched it just see seamlessly from the right to his left and played in Bird for that chance. Um, but he, Tom, which of those three has impressed you most? But for me, it's Morrison just because of the way he, he just glides across the pitch. He's he's so so nice to watch, isn't he, as a player? Absolutely, absolutely lovely to watch. Um, the
0: interchange he had with Lawrence in the first half, which led Lawrence to having the 20-yard shot and then Sibley almost, uh, Forsyth followed up uh, and almost scored in the first half was, was absolutely beautiful. And it's just like instinctive play. And that's where he's at his best when he's playing quick Uh, Football, Little one touch, little flicks here and there. And he's he's a really quality player. Uh, For me, I really like Jagielka. When Stearman signed, I understood the the necessity for that one. But I really wanted Jagielka to be the signing uh, to partner Curtis Davis because he's 40 England caps. Absolute quality player. uh, And he's just a a Rolls Royce footballer at 39. Like Jimmy Anderson. I mean... Uh, we're talking about thirty-nine-year-olds who've been quality that have watched this week. Always
1: comes back to the Jimmy Anderson
0: or, or Phil Jagielka. <laughs> Who do you rather have in your team? And I'm sorry, Jimmy, it's Phil, it's Jags. Well, if it's football, it's Jags, <laughs>
2: and if it's cricket, it's Jimmy. I think, but I think, I think, yeah, for me, it's Phil Jagielka who's been absolutely brilliant. So calm, hasn't hasn't really been caught out for pace much yet. I think him and Davis have have shown their experience. And for me, if Jagielka and Davis can stay fit and are able to play, let's say, thirty-five to forty games together this season. That gives us a chance because I just think we're not. Yeah, obviously we do concede the odd late goal still, but I think we'll keep more clean sheets with those two partnered at centre back than, than anyone else. And I think, I think there's not a lot of this is an, this is another poor championship season apart from Fulham and uh, West Brom. I think. Um, I think I think I don't think it's a great division, and I, I just think if we can if we can keep some more clean sheets, I think I think we give ourselves a chance and. You know, it's still a small chance in my opinion because there's probably a points deduction coming but I think that those two are key Morrison, I agree with everything you said about Ravel Morrison he bring he does bring class but I think the last few games his decision making has got worse in the final third he's not quite made that right decision picked that right pass or the right timing of the pass or, or he just needs to get his, his shooting boots on because for me he's not fulfilling all that potential he has which obviously is a story with him but I did see to give him some credit. I did see. I think it was a a Man United journalist from the Athletic or somewhere was saying they they obviously looked up what he was doing now and they saw that he's played you know five back to back games in twenty days. And they're like I cannot believe Raven Morrison's been able to do that, given his history and his injury problems and everything else that comes with him. They're like I cannot believe he's he's strung that that run of games together. So maybe this international break is just well timed, and we'll see a more refreshed uh, Raven Morrison uh, against Birmingham City.
1: You know, there's only so many times we can say it's a bad championship this season. I know. It turns out we're just a bad team. Well, we have. <laughs> no, you... well, I
2: mean, Huddersfield have picked up since I thought we all thought Huddersfield would be down down there. And obviously, they absolutely banged uh, Reading yesterday. And, and they've, they've they've picked up more points than we thought they would. Peterborough's picked up more points, I think, than we thought they would. So I was a bit worried that these few games, obviously, for us have been poor, that we're kind of flattering ourselves because we have played well, but maybe against poorer teams. Uh, that might still be the case and we might start getting absolutely banged after the international break but I think it is a poor division.
1: Yeah, well, and that, that, that's the point, Tom. In terms of games to come, yes, we were unbeaten at home. We've got off the mark. We're not conceding that many goals but on the flip side, six points from 15 against teams who are beatable in this division, a possible points deduction next month and games against top six chasing sides um, West Brom away Stoke at home Sheffield United away although they've started poorly are we going to rue not taking more points from the first month of the season um, I don't know whether you'll rue it because I don't think that things are won and lost obviously
0: in August we've still got a long way to go and the, the, the season can change you can have a team that starts really well like Birmingham have had a great start they beat um, they obviously beat uh, Luton 5-0 and Stoke have had a brilliant start to the season as well but um, before slipping up recently, uh, I think they lost to Fulham yesterday, but those two teams who were playing there, I don't really see there's a big difference between Derby and Stoke and Birmingham in their first 11, I think the difference is the depth, so I don't think we should be worried or concerned going into those two games, and I know Sheffield United had a, a relatively weak team in the League Cup, but so did we and um, we played them off the park, so, and I know football doesn't work like that, I still think we can go to Sheffield United and, and get something there, West Brom looked like as coach said with with Fulham they look like the two teams that get promoted and they're up yeah this this is this is i mean i saw Fulham against millwall and for 10 minutes they were absolutely outstanding and then for 70 minutes they were so comfortable and then they slacked off for the last 10 and gave Millwall a bit of a chance but 2-1 flattered them uh, millwall so so much and fulham were outstanding so yeah, fulham
1: will be up by march won't they probably uh,
0: i mean they say that this is a competitive league and i think it is between 22 teams but i think anyone <laughs> who finishes 3rd to 24th it could be any team there you mentioned reading they were like talking about maybe Pushing towards the playoffs, they don't look like that. Huddersfield, they could be relegated. Oh no, they've just won four 0 So really. in top six. Yeah, there's there's teams who are all over the place at the moment. I think teams will pick up results against against others. And Derby need to keep pl- plugging away, uh, keep it tight at the back, which we have done generally. We've only conceded four goals in those five games, um, and I think we'll we'll do okay if we can keep it tight and keep chipping away with those goals. But we desperately need Baldock back or Cas Richards back to to have a focal up front or to have midfielder chipping in with some goals.
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything Tom said. I mean, yeah, I'm, lo- I'm looking at the table now and obviously Huddersfield are up in fourth, which I hadn't actually quite realised that before. Yeah, you know, QPR have obviously started really well, but yeah, Bournemouth are underperforming, you'd, you'd say, and, and Sheffield United are massively under, underperforming as well, you'd say, but the rest of the teams, the rest of the teams in that league, like, it's a lot of bang average stuff and I would have said it again, Chris, and you're going to hate me saying it again, but I, I really like what Wayne Rooney's doing. I think he's giving us a chance. He's again proved us wrong. Um, so far obviously like last season how does he react if we lose four in a row how does he turn it around because he he couldn't turn it around last season so that's going to be a big test when that does obviously happen it will happen to almost every team in the league this season is how you bounce back from those those poor runs it's the depth can we be in touch can we be in touch when Bielek and, and Knight are back can we be in touch when it gets to January and maybe maybe it's stupid to hope but maybe we can do a little bit of investing in January obviously never the best time to be investing uh, in, in buying players but can we be in touch when Bielek and Knight come back and can we be in touch come January where, where maybe we can make some more squad improvements I think we'll give ourselves a chance then for me it's just picking up as many points whether it's draws or wins as possible between now and between now and January
1: it's quiz time yay it's quiz time come on boy what you got for us uh, well I thought
2: we'd continue uh, the traditional who, Ram, I a little bit concerned we may have done this one like three or four years ago but yeah um let's go in for it so yeah i'll uh, read out clues stop
1: mark pembridge
2: <laughs> no no he wasn't early on i remember that one um no not mark pembridge so you to say your name when you think you've got an answer so i'll begin with the clues i was born in england in 1974 chris steve howard incorrect uh tom uh, seth johnson incorrect I left Derby in 1999 after 100, 138 appearances for the Rams.
0: Chris,
1: Eagle...
2: No, it's
0: not Eagle is Magazine. <laughs> Famously born in England. <laughs> uh, Tom, Dean Sturridge? Incorrect. I had... this.
2: Might, you might get it here. I had 40 caps for the Republic Tom. of Ireland.
0: Oh, I went in too soon there because I thought it was suddenly Chris Powell, but it's not. obviously not. Incorrect. Um, no, you no. said
2: Chris Powell. Chris... I can finish a clue if you want. No need. Roy DeLapp. Incorrect. Ah. Incorrect.
0: Tom Lee Carsley. Correct.
2: (laughs) You did get two guesses that round though. Yeah. So
0: so technically I have one and I'll take that.
2: When I left Derby in 1999, I joined Everton Blackburn Rovers for £3.4 million. I was appointed England Under-21 head coach uh, this summer yeah. and as revealed by SBW I was particularly highly rated by Palo shot, Dean Sturridge and Mark P. <laughs> that's
0: the killer clue isn't it I definitely think we need to get Lee Carsley on the pod Chris, I was just mad
1: you... that they all kept saying that Lee Carsley again really like... <laughs> I think he's
0: a bit busy to honest now
1: He's trying of get ready to be Southgate's successor. Yeah, he's probably got stuff on, hasn't he? Well, there we go. Speaking of internationals, it's the international break coming up soon, isn't it? So uh, we may be slightly longer between this and our next pod. But uh, any big plans for you boys over the international break?
2: Well, I was hoping I was hoping to get a bit of international breakage uh, myself, uh, getting out to the states as well. But obviously not allowed to do that. So. No, I've got some more cricket to go to. You'll be surprised to know. I'll be at the Oval for the test, about the fourth test of England versus India uh, and just catching up on some work, really. It's honest.
1: I'm hoping that I'll have a functioning kitchen by the time the international break ends. I'm currently living out of a call box in a microwave in a living room, as you can both testify. Tom, mm. any big plans?
0: Uh, well, I'm joining Kutch uh, at the cricket and it was uh, obviously, as Kutch mentioned at the top of the programme, a pleasure to meet Danny at Headingley. Uh, so if any of the uh, Steve Bloomers Washing uh, fans are there, um, and fancy meeting up for a beer on the Sunday? Then Hang on, a bit let, more let's have-
1: let's have this right. You're going to the cricket in the prawn sandwich end in We're the going, hospitality in the posh seats
2: in the posh seats. Yeah,
1: fantastic stuff. Well, uh, thanks for listening as ever. If you didn't enjoy the pod, do subscribe and uh, give us a cheeky review on Apple Podcasts. We would love a five star rating. But uh, as always, we really appreciate your support and listening. But uh, goodbye from you, Uva Kutcher. G- goodbye from me. Goodbye from you, Sam Martin. All the best. Cheerio. Thanks for listening.